Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. My name is Gabby. I am married to Vincent over here. He's a lovely man. You should meet him if you haven't already. Um, between us, we have two beautiful little girls. Our eldest is three and a half and our youngest is one and a half. So we are right in the thick of parenting, let me tell you right now. And it is an absolute joy and privilege and I love it. You know what? Parenting has absolutely taught me a few things, a lot of things. I'm learning every day. One of the things that it's taught me is that, you know what? Sometimes things just don't go to plan and you just got to deal with what you got right in front of you in the moment and just go with it. You know, like Lucy Goosey, go with the flow a little bit. The first moment that I really, really learnt this was way back in the beginning when I was pregnant with our first baby. I'm the kind of person that really likes routine. I like structure. I like order. I like ducks to be in a row before anything happens. I like everything to happen as it should and tell you what, parenting really, uh, really refines that in you. Um, let me tell you that. So I learned this when I was pregnant with our first baby. And when you, when you are pregnant, you go in and you meet your midwife or your obstetrician or whoever, and, uh, and they tell you to write a birth plan. So a birth plan is basically this little document that gives the nurses and the doctors a bit of an idea about how you would like your labour and your delivery to go. So you can write things in there like, I would like some mood lighting, thank you. I would like ice in a cup brought to me every five minutes. I would like silence, please. If you really want it, like you can write whatever you want in that birth plan, right? Doesn't mean that it'll always happen, but you can write it down. So I wrote this birth plan and I had some good ideas about what I wanted to do. I really wanted a spontaneous labour. So a spontaneous labour is where your body just automatically goes into labour by itself. No one has to intervene, it just does it, right? I really wanted that. I thought that would be the best. I'd heard, you know, some stories about what they call an induced labour or an induction. And that's where they, you know, you go into hospital, your body's not, you know, not doing it by itself. So what they do is they put a drip in your arm and it's got a synthesised hormone that basically tricks your body into labouring because it's not doing it by itself. And I'd heard some stories that it really wasn't a very pleasant way to labour. The contractions are really intense. They're really close together. It can be really hard work. So that was kind of my worst case scenario. And I tried to do everything I could to avoid it. I reckon I ate about four pineapples in the week leading up to our due date. I ate so many curries. I went for so many walks. Everything I could possibly do to make sure that baby came out on time. As it happened... We got quite close to due date and my midwife said to me, look, if baby doesn't come on the due date, then we'll have appointments, you know, every couple of days past your due date until up to two weeks. We'll let you go for two weeks before we're going to do anything and intervene. I was like, okay, I've got two weeks to get this baby out, right? Pineapples, curries, walks, everything. So it got to the due date, no baby, into hospital, check, check, everything's fine, go home. Two days post due date, Still no baby, hospital, check, check, everything's fine, go home. Four days, six days, eight days, 10 days post our due date, went into the hospital, did some checks and my midwife turned around to me and she said, look, your baby's safe, you're safe, but your body isn't going into labour like it should and your body's not really supporting baby very well at the moment. So before it gets dangerous, we're going to induce you. Ha <laughs> ha! 
oh, yay. And I remember that moment of sheer panic that crossed my heart, my mind. I looked at Vin, he panicked, I panicked, and I just kind of went, oh my gosh. And that was kind of the very beginning of parenthood, that parenthood life stage teaching me that things just don't go to plan all the time. Sometimes you just have to roll with it and deal with what you've got right in front of you right then, right? So we all go through these different life stages, right? Whether it's parenthood or maybe you're in retirement stage and your kids have grown up. Maybe you're single, you're in uni, you're looking for a job, you're working full time. We all go through these different life stages, right? So we're about to dive into scripture. And what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is a few of these life stages. And basically what he's doing is trying to give us some really good advice to how to live those life stages well, how to walk out the call of God on your life really well all throughout those life stages. So we're going to dive into 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verses 17 to 24. It will be on the back screen if you want to read along. So it says this, It's titled, Live As You're Called. Only let each person live the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you for the opportunity to open your word and to read from it and learn from it. And God, I just pray that as we listen to the word today, God, would you reveal more about yourself to us? Jesus, help us to know you better. And God, help us to live out the life that you have called us to live. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as Christians we understand that we have a primary calling, right? So our primary calling we find in Matthew chapter 28, where Jesus talks about the Great Commission. So our primary calling as Christians is to go out into all the nations and make disciples of Jesus. So our job as Christians, it's universal. Your job is to teach people about Jesus. But we also have a unique calling that is specific to us, and it's, it's a combination of all of the gifts, the gifts and the skills and the abilities that God has given to us. And so what we, what we learn here in the scripture is that all of those gifts and skills and abilities are given to us for the purpose as, as Paul puts it in the text, walking out the life and the call that God has assigned to us. Now, I love the way that Paul writes. He's so upfront and honest, you know, he's straight to the point. He doesn't pull any punches. And one of the examples that he gives us that's really going to grab your attention right up front is circumcision, right? Doesn't, doesn't beat around the bush, really. So with circumcision, everyone knows what circumcision is, right? So basically, circumcision in the more holistic context 
was a commandment that God gave to the, the Israelites, his people, way back in the time of Moses. And it was a, a, an outward marker, an outward sign of covenant relationship with God. So a covenant is a really serious contract that is sealed in blood. So the bloodshed was the sealing of the covenant contract between God and his people, that they will be his people and he will be their God. So that's what circumcision is. So fast forward to the time of the Corinthians and really awkwardly (laughs) in that particular society in that day, a lot of stuff was actually done in the nude. I'm not even kidding. There was a lot of stuff that they did in the nude. Okay, so this is the kind of stuff that they did in the nude. They went to the gym and they were naked. (laughs) Oh, don't even ask me why you would want to do that. But anyway, imagine doing your squats. Oh, actually, no, don't imagine. No, don't imagine. So they would do, they would, they would go to the gym in the nude. Um, Imagine this, you're a Jewish man living in this time and you're going to work for the day. So you put your business suit on, you know, you pick up your briefcase, maybe not a business suit, maybe a tunic, pick up your briefcase, you do your hair real nice and off you go to work. And you meet your boss in the hallway and he says, I'll see you in the meeting at three. Yep, no worries, see you in the meeting at three. So you go to the meeting, but the meeting is at the public baths, okay? So business meetings were actually conducted in the nude in public baths, right? So what the Jewish men were finding was that there was actually a lot of really awkward social, um, you know, social niceties about being nude in the baths. So what would happen is they'd go to their business meeting, they'd drop their towel, and all of a sudden they would find that there were there's all this animosity against them because for non-Christians or, or people that weren't Jewish and didn't really understand what circumcision was about, it was weird. Like, why would you do that? So anyway, they were finding that it was becoming really problematic as they were trying to, you know, live their life and progress in the business world or, you know, at the gym. (laughs) Anyway, so what they were doing was they were going and getting a procedure done. It's basically a reverse circumcision. Don't ask me how it happens or what it is. Don't Google it. I did not Google that. So they're going and getting a reverse circumcision so that the outward marks would be gone, so that they wouldn't be recognisable as Jews. And so that's what the the Jewish men were doing in the day. They were getting a reverse circumcision. On the other hand, you had Gentiles, people who didn't have a relationship with God. And they would encounter Jesus and they would just fall in love with him and, and, and invite him into their hearts and want to live for him. And so in order to look the part, they would go and get a circumcision. Why? Why? So you've got on one hand, Jewish men who are trying to undo the outward mark of circumcision. And on the other side, you've got Gentiles who are going and getting the circumcision just to fit in with, you know, the social construct of the day. And so what Paul is saying in this scripture is, guys, don't go and get a circumcision just to fit the mould. Don't go and undo your circumcision just to fit the mould. It's actually not the outside that matters. It doesn't matter. The inner work, Paul's saying, is what is really important. You know, sometimes we get so trapped in masking the outward appearance while the inside stuff is falling apart. The outside stuff 
you know, praying a really holy prayer in front of everybody so that they think that that's really how you pray during the week. Or uh, the one time in the week that you actually read your Bible, you make sure you post it on Instagram so everybody knows about it. (laughs) Or someone says, oh, I'm really sick. And you say, I'll pray for you, but you actually don't pray for them. It's that outward masking, making it look like you've got it all together when really the inside stuff is falling apart. And that inside work is stuff like doing the, you know, the quiet time with Jesus, reading your Bible, praying. That's the inner work. The inner work is dealing with your anger, your frustration, your resentment, your unforgiveness, all that stuff in your heart that stops you from moving forward, your cynicism, all of that stuff that stops you from moving forward. That's the inner work. That's what's really, really important. See, masking the outside while the inside's falling apart is never going to serve you well when you're trying to walk out the call of God on your life. Ephesians 4 verse 1 says, Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Don't make it look like you're walking well. Actually walk well in your manner. Do the inner work that makes the outward follow along just because it is. Don't waste time shifting your outward appearance when it's the inner work and being obedient to God and following the commands of God that really matters. You know, I love that the Bible is filled. It's filled with stories of people who said yes to God and were obedient to God before the outside really matched up. I think of David and Goliath, right? That story. We all know it so well, right? But let's relive it just for the fun of it. So David, he's the youngest of eight sons, right? He works as his day job, nine to five in the field as a shepherd. So what happens is the Philistines have come against the Israelites and they're at war, okay? And the Philistines have this not so secret weapon, Goliath, really big dude, like a giant, like he's massive, right? And what's been happening is he's standing out the front of the Philistine army for 40 days or something like that. And he's basically taunting the Israelites. He's standing there and he's big dude. He's like, you're never going to get through me. You know, I'm so big. I'm so massive. I'm going to kill you all. So he's taunting the Israelites, right? And they're not, they're not doing anything yet because they don't know how to get past this guy. And so what happens is uh, David's eldest three brothers have gone to war with the Israelite army and they're fighting under King Saul. And so what happens is David gets asked to take some supplies to the front line. So off he goes, takes his supplies to the front line, hands them over in the tent. And you can imagine him hearing the conversation about Goliath, right? He's standing there, he's kind of listening in and he gets the gall to actually like, excuse me, King Saul, I'll have a go at him. You know, like give me a shot. And it says in scripture that he was not much more than a boy. Like he was still a little dude. And I imagine all of the, all of the soldiers and King Saul standing around and they kind of have a little bit of a chuckle. They're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like you're barely, you're barely a kid and you want to have a go at Goliath. And so, you know, David says, I'll have a crack at him. And so they say, all right, if you want. And so King Saul says, before you go, let me just pop my armor on you. Okay, because you need to like have some kind of protection at least. So David, um, King Saul puts his tunic and his armor on David. But you can imagine like that armor is really heavy, right? And if David isn't a very big boy yet, imagine him like, you know, kind of crumpling under the weight of this massive armor. 
And it's not really going to help him. It's probably going to hinder him more than anything. So what happens is he kind of goes, you know, with all due respect, King Saul, um, thanks very much, but I'd actually rather just go out. I've actually got a bit of a plan. I've got my slingshot. I've got a couple of stones. And I'll, I'll, just, I'll just do it like that. Is that okay? And they're like, okay, you know, it's your funeral. Go for your life. So we all know the story, right? David goes out, couple of stones and Goliath's down and he wins. But this is the thing that I love about David is that he didn't have to reach this soldier status before he was obedient to the call of God on his life. He didn't have to look like this giant soldier. He didn't wait until he was, you know, 10 years older and he'd done a couple of army boot camps. He actually, he was this little guy and he was just obedient to what God had asked him to do. And I love that. He didn't have to reach soldier status before he was obedient to the commands of God. Coming back to the Corinthians, we see all through the text that status was actually a really massive issue for the Corinthians. They were kind of, you know, um, they, were, they, were re- they really wanted to be seen to be great people. They had a bit of insecurity. So, you know, they really wanted to be seen to be really educated. That was really important to them. They wanted to be seen to have a really close relationship with God. That was really important. They had, they had this kind of status issue. And so Paul comes in with this next example of bond servants. So bond servants were effectively slaves. So slavery in biblical times was very different to the more, the more modern slavery that we're more familiar with. So back in biblical times, if you were a bond servant, your status, it couldn't get any lower than being a bond servant. According to the, to, according to the law, you weren't even a citizen, right? You belonged as a piece of property to your master. So like I can take my phone out and I can use it and when it gets old, I can just throw it away. That was how lowly their status was. They were a property, piece of property belonging to their master. So they could even be killed by their master with zero legal ramifications because they were the property of that person. Like it doesn't get lower than that, right? So you would have bond servants, say for example, they were, um, say for example, they were living and working in the fields. They were just uh, labor, labor in the field. So you go out and you do your farming for the day. They might work 14 or 16 hours in the field, right? And then they'd go into the stable where they ate pretty much the same food as the animals did. And then they would sleep in shackles. So they'd sleep in chains overnight. And that was their day. They would get up, they would work, they would go to bed and they'd sleep in chains. Like it doesn't get much lower than that, right? And that's what Paul is talking about. But Paul is saying in this scripture, it doesn't matter how lowly your status is. If you were called as a bondservant, don't be concerned about it. Don't worry about it. Wherever you are right now, whatever you're doing, whatever status you consider yourself at right now, serve God there. That's the important thing. Serve God from wherever you are. And Paul has this little sidebar. In the text, in brackets, it says, but if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. So what he's saying is basically that the slaves in that time, the bond servants, they had a couple of options in terms of getting out of that bond servant lifestyle. So bond servants were typically 
given a small allowance per week, um, which the master could take back at any time, but they were given a small allowance every week. And so effectively, if the master never asked for that money back, they could save it all up and then they could basically buy themselves out of slavery. So they could pay that money to the master and the master would set them free. There was another legal process called manumission, which was basically the master could choose to free the the bond servant and they would take them to a court in front of a judge and they would say, you know, I want to free this bond servant. And so the judge would sign a piece of paper and that person would walk out a free man, a freedman, as they called them. So they could then go and apply for citizenship in in the place that they lived so there were these you know these ways of getting out of living that bond servant lifestyle and so paul says if you can why not if you can do it so if you're in a job right now that you really think isn't serving the call of god on your life and you can change go for it if you can get a better vantage point from which to serve the call of god on your life then do it why wouldn't you right but What Paul is saying here in this example is you don't have to. Wherever you are right now, you can walk out the call of God on your life. You don't have to change your position. You don't have to change your status. Wherever you are right now, serve God there. You know, you can always, always, always come up with a, a thousand excuses for why you can't, right? There are thousands of excuses for why you couldn't walk out the call of God on your life. Maybe you are working as an accountant right now and really in your heart is international missions, you know. Maybe you feel like God is calling you to something totally different than what you're doing right now. Or maybe you are working nine to five for somebody else but really you feel like God is calling you to run your own business or do your own thing. There's a thousand excuses for why you can't walk out the call of God on your life. Maybe you just don't feel like you are in a place right now that God has called you to. Maybe you just don't feel like his hand is on you in that place or in that job. Maybe you feel like you've got to take a thousand steps to get to where God has called you to. There's a thousand excuses. Oh, that person gets paid more than me. So, you know, it's, it's, it's easy for them to walk out the call of God on their life, but not for me. Sometimes those excuses come from comparing ourselves to other people's circumstances. I imagine the slaves, you know, imagine what it would be like for them. Those slaves that are working out in the fields, they're working 14, 16 hour days. And then they're sleeping in chains. They have no days off. They get hardly any wage. It's a really, really, really terrible way to live, right? It's hard. It's hard. Imagine them looking at the freedmen, the the slaves that have gotten their freedom, that are living the way that they want to. They're now a citizen of Rome or they're, they're walking out, you know, the life that they want to because all of a sudden they're free. Or even other bond servants that have better positions, So some bond servants were, you know, working in the fields and they were kind of disposable, I guess, in a way. But some bond servants had really important positions. Some were teachers, some were chefs, you know, more more valued people. Some of them would work directly with the master of the house. So they were really valued. They developed a good relationship with the master of the house. So they weren't as easily replaceable 
And so they were really valued. And imagine the bond servants working in the fields, looking at those guys and saying, oh gosh, if I had that life, how much easier would it be for me? You know, the bond servants in the house, they get the weekends off. They can go and do whatever they want on the weekends. They actually get a proper allowance. They can, they can use their money to further God's kingdom. Yeah. Or the freedmen, you know, they're walking around, they're doing whatever they want. It would be so easy, so easy for the bond servants to compare themselves to what is going on around them. It's easy for them to walk out the call of God in their life. Their circumstances are perfect. The conditions are perfect for them. If I had that life, how much easier would it be for me? Even for us, like I said before, you know, that person makes more money than me. They, they can work less. So, you know, they've, they've got my t- more time to, to do what God is calling them to do. Or, you know, I really want to do international missions, but I've got kids. It's hard, man. That's hard. I don't want to drag my kids all over the world. Look at them. They haven't got kids yet. So so easy for them. They can do it. If I had that life, how much easier would it be? So, so often we come and we compare ourselves to what other people are doing and how easy it is for them to walk out the call of God on their lives. And we get stuck in that place of comparison, right? But comparison gets us stuck in the world. It takes our eyes off Jesus And it fixes our eyes on men. It says in this scripture, don't become bondservants of men. You are a freed man in Christ. You were bought with a price. You are free by grace. You have been saved. So why become a slave to men when you can live free in Christ? It's not worth comparing yourself to the circumstances and the conditions of everybody else around you. Keep your eyes heavenward. Keep your eyes on Jesus and live free in Christ, like Paul tells us. I think about Paul, right? I think about Paul who's writing this letter to the Corinthians. Do you know where he was when he was writing these letters? Somebody? Anybody? He was in prison. Dude, he was in prison. So there's this guy, so we're talking about appearance, we're talking about status, we're talking about comparison. Tell me that his appearance was beautiful when he was in prison, right? Outwardly, he wasn't concerned about what he looked like. He wasn't concerned about the image that he presented. He was in prison. Who was he going to impress anyway? He wasn't concerned about his status, In terms of, you know, society's structure in that day, if you were a prisoner, it was the lowest of the low. You were kind of equal with bond servants, right? You're in prison. You deserve to be there. That's it. You didn't have a status if you were in prison. And how easy would it have been for Paul to fall into that trap of comparison? Oh, everybody else is out of prison and walking around. They can do what God's called them to do. How easy would it have been for them to be in a place where they can compare themselves, where he can compare himself to everybody else? It's so, it would have been so easy for him. But Paul doesn't meet any of, those, any of those statuses, any of those requirements, any of those issues. You know what he was doing? He was walking out the call of God on his life from prison. 
the letters that he wrote when he was in prison have been canonized in scripture for all eternity. I don't know about you, but if I think about really tough places to walk out the call of God on your life, I reckon prison's pretty up there, right? There's not a lot of freedom there. And Paul is living out the call of God on his life from prison, lowest status you could think of, able to compare himself to anyone and come up with a thousand excuses. But he's living out the call of God on his life right then and right there. Gosh, I love that guy. Imagine if he'd said no. Imagine if he'd gotten stuck in comparison. Imagine if he'd just decided, oh, it's too hard. It's too hard. I'll just put it on pause for a minute. I'll just, I'll just say no to God for a second because it doesn't really feel like it's the right time right now. Because I'm in prison, that's really hard. You know, I can't do what I think I should be doing right now. I can't go out and preach the gospel like I've been called to do. I can't go from town to town and city to city preaching the gospel like I've been called to do. So I'll just put it on hold for a minute. Oh my gosh, imagine what we would have lost. And you know, God would have used somebody else. Cool. But there's so much richness in the way that Paul teaches us and the way that he writes and the way that God used him What an incredible example of walking out the call of God on your life despite your circumstances. Gosh. You know, I get it. I get it. Maybe 12 months ago, you were thinking that where you are right now was going to be significantly different. Maybe you had plans 12 months ago that never really came to fruition because of lockdown, COVID, all of that stuff. I get it. I get it. Things don't look ideal. The situation isn't perfect. But guys, the conditions will never be perfect. The conditions will never be perfect. You're never going to be perfect. I'm never going to be perfect. The situation, the circumstances, the timing, it's never going to be perfect. In Ecclesiastes 11 verse 4, I love this. Those who wait for perfect weather will never plant seeds. Those who look at every cloud will never plant crops. Don't waste your time waiting for the perfect moment the perfect circumstances, the perfect people, the perfect timing doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. You're wasting your time. And the beautiful thing about it, God in all of his goodness, he's not surprised by where you're at right now. We serve the sovereign God of the universe. (laughs) Your plan has been woven into an intricate global masterpiece with so many moving parts that we could never count them. And all of it is working together for the glory of God to make His name known. God knows where you're at right now. 
He's not surprised by the job that you're in right now or the lack of job. He's not surprised by your finances. He's not surprised by your health. Nothing shocks him. He's in it and through it and working in it all, all of it. He is sovereign. He sees it. He knows it. And he loves you. He can move in it. What's really important today to know is that all we need to do is just take a step. Right? Just take a step. Don't wait for the perfect time. It doesn't exist. Just take a step. It doesn't have to be from, you know, zero to a hundred in a millisecond. I think sometimes we get so caught up. We've got this massive dream and these amazing things that we believe that God has called us to do. And we feel like we're so far from it now that if we had to take a step, it's just too big. Like, how do I get from here to there? Just ask for one step, one step, one step. That's all you need just to know one step to take. It doesn't have to be from one to a hundred in a millisecond. Just a step. That step could take a day, it could take a week, it could take a year, 10 years. Just take a step. Do something today. If you can't take that actual step today, pray today. Pray again tomorrow. Pray again the day after that. Keep praying until that day when you can take the step. Take the step. Take the step. Just do it. Don't wait. There's no perfect time. Just do it. It says in Philippians 1 verse 6, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. This is going to sound like a really bad joke, but go with me for a second. Do you know the difference between birthing a baby and walking out the call of God on your life? When you birth a baby, you don't have a choice. When I walked into that delivery room that day and my midwife loaded up that synthetic hormone, here we go. That first contraction started. Oh man, that was a freight train. And it was coming. Whether I was ready or not, whether I was ready or not, that baby was coming. And I think sometimes if callings were a little bit more like babies, we might see a lot more people walking in what God's called them to do. But if you're waiting for the perfect time... (laughs) the perfect circumstances, the perfect scenario, the perfect person, the perfect job, whatever. If you're waiting for that perfect thing, you can keep waiting and push that call back as far as you want. It's a choice. It's a choice. What choice are you going to make? Are you going to make a choice to take a step? Or are you going to make a choice and push that thing further and further and further back? letting that inward stuff continue to fall apart, being so concerned with status that you don't want to do anything because you might embarrass yourself or you don't think you measure up yet. You know, if I had... (laughs) If I'd waited for the perfect moment to birth my baby, (laughs) I'd probably still be pregnant now. 
it's true. There's no perfect time. The conditions weren't perfect on that day and they were never going to be perfect. There's always going to be something that's in the way or something that irritates you or something that hasn't been done yet or something that, you know, feels too big. It's never going to be perfect. But we've just got to take a step. We've just got to take a step. You know, why don't you stand with me today? I want to pray for you. I don't know where you feel like you're at right now. I don't know if maybe you feel like you don't know what the call of God is on your life. Here I am talking about the call of God, the call of God, the call of God. Maybe you don't know what that is on your life yet. Or maybe there's all of that inner work that needs shifting for you today. Maybe you've got anger or frustration or bitterness or unforgiveness or resentment or cynicism in your heart that's stopping you from moving forward in the call of God on your life. Or maybe you just don't know what the step is. Maybe you just don't know, you know, God, I feel like there's this massive call on my life and I feel like I know where you want me to go, but I just don't know how to get there. I don't know what the next step is. I want to pray for you today. I'm in the boat with you. I'm praying for me too. And as we work out the call of God on our lives, we have to do it with him. In verse 24 of the scripture that we're reading, it says, So brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. Not there let him figure it out for himself. Not there let him ask a friend for advice. Not there let him, you know, study a lot until he gets qualified to do it. But there let him remain with God. You don't do this journey alone. (laughs) God's given you a plan for a reason. He's the one that's passionate about you walking it out. And if he's the one that's passionate about you walking it out, then isn't he going to come alongside you and help? I'll tell you what he is. He wants you to walk in the things that he's called you to more than you do. More than your spouse does, more than your best friend does, more than your senior pastor does. God wants you to walk out the things that he's called you to. That's where you find richness in relationship with Him. Is where you're walking with Him so closely and you're remaining in Him. And that relationship builds, that trust develops, that side by side walking together as you walk out the call of God on your life. And so with every eye closed and every head bowed this morning, I just want to pray for you. If you feel like maybe you need to know what that next step is or maybe you need to know what the call of God is on your life or maybe you've got inner work that needs shifting today, would you raise your hand and I would love to pray for you. As we do this life with God and as we figure it out with Him, that's where He comes alongside and He ministers. And as we were singing before, Jesus is in this room. He's here right now. 
And so, Lord God, I just want to pray for every single person right now that has their hand raised. God, for those of um, for those of us who are still figuring out what you've called us to, Father, I pray for clarity right now. In Jesus' name, I pray for those, those giftings and those skills that you have placed within them to rise up, God, that they would know what it is you're calling them to, that they would feel it deep in their heart, God, and that you would give them the boldness and the confidence to take that step today, to take a step today. And God, I pray for those who maybe don't know what that next step is. Maybe they know, God, what you're calling them to. They feel it in their heart and it's burning in their spirit, God, but they don't know what's next. And God, again, I pray for clarity. I pray for your voice to be heard in their spirit. I pray that you would bring the right people around them, God, the, the, the right circumstances, God, today, that you would give them the opportunity to take a step, that you would show them in front of their eyes, God, what that step is. And Lord God, I just pray for those today who need healing. Father, that inner work that is so important to you, the health of our hearts and our spirits, God. For those who are struggling to be close to you, God, to do that that quiet time with you, to read your word, to pray. God, I pray that those times of, of intimacy and quiet time with you would be so rich. God, I pray that every time that they open the word, that it would come to life for them, that you would speak from your spirit to theirs as they read your word, God. And I pray for those who are hurt, who are angry, who are bitter, who have resentment or unforgiveness in their hearts right now, God, that inner stuff in our hearts that stops us from moving forward into the things that you've called us to. In Jesus' name right now, I just ask that chains be broken and healing happen in this place. God, even as they stand there, I just pray that they would feel your healing beginning to take place. Lord God, I just pray that as your people, help us every day to walk out that call that you have placed on our lives in a manner worthy of that call, God. That that inner work would match the outside, that it would um, come before the outside stuff. God, help us to know your call, to hear your voice and to take a step. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.